Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of Airport Experience News and the host of this pod. Well, you found this episode, but have you subscribed? Have you? If you haven't, please do so. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or Stitcher. And if you'd like, you can actually listen along on your computer. You can do so by going to airportxnews.com slash podcast. Well, this is episode 49, and here I chat with Juan Igueros, the COO of Bear Robotics. Now, Bear Robotics has created a robot named Penny, and she performs various redundant tasks in a restaurant setting because, well, I discovered during the interview that they really got their start uh, with a focus in hospitality. And as uh, many of you probably know or maybe don't know, uh, there's been a lot of talk with regards to automation and robotics and how that is impacting the labor force and it's happening on the street and could soon be impacting airports. So one of the things that Juan does address is this perception that robotics could replace human labor, and he addresses that among many other items uh, during our our episode. Anyway, here is my conversation with Juan Igueros. So I'm here with Juan Igueros, the COO and one of the co-founders for Bay Area-based Bear Robotics. Juan, thanks for taking time to speak with me. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, there has been, at least in our space, airports, uh, a lot more talk about automation and similar technologies. Um, I don't know if you follow this, but some of my latest episodes in the podcast have dealt with machines like Brigo, which makes coffee, uh, Chabotics, which makes uh, creates food. Uh, I've also posted an episode on retail and artificial intelligence with Julia Dietmar of View.ai. Uh, and posting soon an episode on autonomous vehicles with Will Baumgartner of Arab. So now I have you. And what I want to do is I want to look forward at what can, what can be so that we can improve the travel experience in airports and thus robotics. And robotics abroad, it can apply to front of house, back of house, et cetera. And it seems that the initial function that they perform are just really completing redundant tasks that people normally do. So can you talk about the current state of robotics and maybe some other common applications? Absolutely. Um, I think that uh, I'll first give you a little bit of background on ourselves and then get into uh, what you wanted to cover. I mean, we're not your typical robotics company. We're actually coming at this directly from a food service industry insider's perspective. Our CEO and founder, John Hall, actually owned and operated a restaurant for a few years. While he was a Google engineer, he actually bought into a restaurant. And really, this idea sparked uh, the creation of what our robot is, which is we call it Penny, which is for the uh, one of the characters on the popular sitcom called The Big Bang Theory on CBS. <laughs> but basically, yeah, um, you know, in our case, I mean, he had an in-depth experience running a restaurant and, and suffering through all the pain points all operators that run these types of operations experience, like you mentioned, with both the back of the house and the front of a house in a restaurant. So um, we were fortunate um, when we started the company. We actually had our own real-time lab to test early prototypes for many months. And now, uh, as we speak today, you know, our robot named Penny has shuttled food and drinks to over probably 40 or 50,000 real-time customers um, inside of restaurants as well as some other uh, venues. Um, You know, as I mentioned to you briefly, uh, I'm the CEO of the company. We have four co-founders and um, realistically, you know, we built the company with uh, two, two co-founders that are former software engineers at Google, and then um, our overall collective strengths have allowed us to build and begin initial deployments. 
Now, we started in the restaurant space, but our robot really can be basically anywhere food is served, and that would obviously mean restaurants inside of airports. So there's a lot of different use cases for what we have. We, we're obviously going to be in restaurants, but we have use cases for other venues, like think, you know, cafeterias inside of um, companies, which we're also doing right now with some technology companies, um, think casinos, um, think any think unique places that are a little out of the box but perhaps like senior care living centers where mm -hmm. nurses are actually shuttling back and forth and doing a lot of that hard work so anywhere food is served i think is where there's potential use cases for where our robots will be and we hope that that will be the case throughout the u.s and then throughout the rest of the world so not to get too i don't want to get too technical and 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 again uh, we uh, i wanted to approach this more from a almost elementary level but I, i've seen the demo at least on your site uh, of penny navigating her way uh, around a restaurant round tables etc and and delivering drinks or, or busing and things like that so how does that how does that work um I'm, I, again i'm thinking from let's say as open an environment as an airport to a smaller restaurant constraint uh, airport restaurant that can be constrained you know in terms of making sure she doesn't bump into things or you know lose her way that kind of deal sure so penny's main functionality now is to help with as i mentioned the shuttling of food from a restaurant's kitchen out to a table. So in addition to that, Penny's actually used for busing. Think of like pre-busting tables, like as you kind of go and clean off the table, you can put tables on it. So what happens is staff members inside of a restaurant distribute tasks to Penny using a tablet. And Penny then autonomously navigates through crowded and narrow pathways inside of a restaurant to accomplish these tasks. And it's a the, the robot's autonomous abilities really were achieved through a unique combination of hardware and software features in its overall design. It's equipped with upward-facing and downward-facing sensors. Um, the way we've designed it really is that it's got zero blind spots. Hmm. So it's been built strategically to be maneuverable, it's yet sturdy. Um, it's certainly tall enough to conveniently bring food to a restaurant table. It's probably about three feet tall. Uh, but it's not so tall that it's going to become the center of attention in our view. And we wanted the robot itself to become an embedded part of uh, the overall workflow that you see inside of a restaurant. So that's really what allows the, the focus of, of the restaurant where we are, where Penny is deployed to remain on food and service. So as it always should, really. Um, the software, going back to your question, that runs Penny um, was built to find the best path to get to its intended destination. Um, our robot is able to detect obstacles, and then it derives really the most intelligent path to complete its mission from point A to point B, usually from where the kitchen sits to an actual table. Um, we, based on feedback from hundreds of restaurateurs, um, have now built what's gonna be a next generation of the robot, and that'll continue to evolve as well. Uh, we wanted to be able to carry more food, deliver more drinks, and really improve the overall, what we call the human-robot interaction um, with restaurant personnel or even anybody else that's going to be using it. Um, and that's really, you know, there are some other things that it's able to do. Obviously, there's one-way communication where the robot can actually speak to uh, end customers um, to provide some either instructions or just general things like, thank you, excuse me, please take your food, et cetera. We can program the robot to really speak in any language as well. So 
as we go forward, certainly we plan to add two-way communication using AI and voice recognition so that our robots in the future can really use that technology um, in, in louder environments uh, that you'll see in airports as well as casual dining restaurants. So uh, I think I'd mentioned, uh, I'd spoken to Will Baumgartner about autonomous vehicles, and he also mentioned that now his, 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 um, his uh, approach is, well, at least with autonomous vehicles, obviously they're outside, they're on the ground side, not in terminal like yours would be. So, but he said it, you would need to map in a way to know where the blind spots, not the blind spots, but like, you know, where, the, where to turn and navigate. And, and again, I think with Penny, it's probably a lot more secure just considering the tables, high tops, et cetera, what she would have to navigate, right? Mm -hmm. So would you have to go in and program her to learn the environment or does she constantly learn, okay, well, this table moved or this table's no longer here, you know, that kind of thing, uh, kind of like learn from her environment to adjust? A little bit of both. So right now we actually do have our field operations teams go out to do a one-time mapping of the location where it will be. However, in the very short time, um, the robot will be able to do that on its own. Um, it's still a little ways out, but right now we do have folks go out. And usually, I'll give you a very good example. I think we've done a, a 10,000 square foot um, place in about, the robot can actually be up and running in about an hour and 15 minutes. So that's what makes it turnkey and, and great for uh, folks that actually want to use this, is it's really a, a service that can be, that doesn't require you to basically go and rechange a lot of infrastructure. It's actually something that can be up and running in less than two hours. Um, that's the beauty of it. And I think that certainly going forward, what we, what we want to do is make this service as easy for uh, folks that are actually going to be getting it to get it up and running. And, and, and even things like just turning it on and off or charging on its own is something that it will be doing fairly soon simply because we want to make it as seamless to the user as possible. So what's the reception been like? I, I mean, I'm sure you probably observe, you know, I, 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 there have been some robots that have been used in airports, mostly just at least to turn heads, kind of attract attention a little bit. I think there was one, uh, I think it was Korea somewhere, there was a robot that would actually greet passengers and tell them where they can go in terms of customs and pick up their luggage, whatever. But what, what's the reception like? Is it, uh, do people kind of like approach Penny with some curiosity or is it, does it eventually get to a point where they're comfortable and she's kind of just part of the restaurant environment kind of thing? Well, yeah, the reception certainly has to come from a number of different sources beyond just the customers. So the customers are of primary importance. Obviously we want to make their experience improved where they are, obviously where they're sitting and eating and, and obviously allowing for employees who are another key aspect of the stakeholders that we need to make sure that are delighted by this new kind of think of it as an assistant to them. Uh, they have to be able to use it in a very easy way. So we've tried to build that in and get that. Uh, and the reception actually has gone well in the sense that restaurant staff actually are getting increased tips. A little bit because of the fact that they have more time to spend directly with customers addressing their needs instead of constantly shuffling back and forth, which is where most of the traffic actually, when you actually sit inside of a restaurant, you'll see that most of the traffic is not necessarily the patrons, it's actually the people that are running back and forth. Um, and a lot that obviously gives them less time to really get a sense of what the customer needs are gonna be. So, and then lastly, from an operator's perspective, um, allowing for kind of a, an overall better workflow and an optimized workflow allows them to actually see some uh, potential upside from their own kind of operating profits. And so once we kind of meet and we have actually been able to meet all three of those thresholds, 
um, we're able to actually probably get overall good feedback. So I think that's where we've always had our mission to make sure that we actually align to all three of those stakeholders. And as we're doing that, we're actually getting pretty good reception. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the servers, and I know there's always going to be a human element to it. So my next question really is about, uh, you know, is this replacing labor? Because the narrative has always been, uh, at least when it comes to automation such as this or robotics such as this one, is uh, that it either replaces or reduces labor or does it shift the area of focus? And I think based on what you just answered, you know, it uh, the servers are getting higher tips because now they can actually interface with the customer. How are you doing? Did you like that? You know, uh, things, I guess, that uh, at least this iteration of, of these robots are probably not programmed or designed to do just of yet that a re- an actual human could do, right? So what, what, do you, what is your uh, thoughts on, um, I guess, the labor impact with uh, this technology? I agree with a lot of your points. Our view is that robots cannot replace human beings. This is a service industry, one that is highly focused on the human touch, as I mentioned earlier. Our perspective is that robots will be helpful to unload the low-value repetitive tasks in a restaurant setting or anywhere you can think of where food is served. This will become even more valuable as conditions in the labor supply shift, both in the U.S. and abroad. I think that certain countries, I know, for example, Japan is safe, which is another market we're going to be working in quite a lot. They're facing an aging population, followed by what is the younger generation that really does not, I don't think they're as interested in pursuing the roles involving these repetitive tasks. Mm -hmm. And we're even seeing this now with folks in the U.S. who'd rather have the flexibility to work, let's say, for an Uber or a TaskRabbit or even Lyft, rather than have the fixed schedule of, let's say, a restaurant job. So right right now, the timing is ripe to innovate in this industry so that it can continue to thrive. Um, From a labor management perspective, um, certainly, I think, whether you're an operator inside of a terminal of an airport or even outside of an airport, this is the number one challenge because... Really, I mean, it's exacerbated things by extreme labor turnover, and certainly, as we're seeing now, there are increasing minimum wages happening throughout the food service industry in many, many states. So if there really is any reallocation of labor, it would be really toward freeing up time for human laborers to perform things or tasks that are much more meaningful, or let's say much more value-added to that particular business. So... Our product certainly, as I mentioned earlier, it's really meant to act as an assistant for front of house operations. Let's say to help carry food, help carry drinks. Those things are can be pretty heavy after a six or eight hour shift, um, really to bust dishes, dirty yeah. dishes, bring it back to the washing area. Um, and one last thing too is that the beautiful thing too is that they're dependable. I mean, it's a dependable resource 24 seven. Our robots can run for up to 12 hours at a time and only takes perhaps one or two hours to charge them. So our end goal really is that the labor that you currently have in place can be much more efficient. So Mm -hmm. they can, for example, stay on top of your customer's needs rather than having to spend a lot of their time, uh, as I mentioned earlier, just constantly performing things that wear them down over time. So there will be, I think, a reallocation to summarize of the tasks rather than actually reallocation of what we talked about in terms of any, I don't think there'll be any displacement of labor from that perspective. 
Well, I'm, I'm sure you get, I'm sure you get that question a lot. Are you still, do you still feel not necessarily just for you, but maybe others in, in this industry, uh, robotics that is, um, that you still have to explain away that narrative that no, this isn't replacing people. It's reallocating people. I mean, do you still have to go through the, 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 uh, that verbiage that you just gave me? Some folks I think will think that, but when you talk to folks that have been in this industry for 30 or 40 years, mm-hmm. they see the absolute need because I think they see the writing of the wall. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, there are less people that are actually coming into this. I had a conversation with the, one of the head chefs at a, um, at a casino um, that we're working with, and he can't even find enough people to actually come in and do things like the, like making, like frying their, their French fries as well as their, um, you know, the chicken tenders that they send up to hundreds or even thousands of people per day. I mean, these jobs are becoming less and less uh, attractive for individuals as more options come up, as I mentioned. So uh, certainly there's a need for have some type of automation in place to help um, these operations. Now, there, there's always going to be the, the human aspect that needs to be that, that kind of is that, that, that most important uh, human touch that needs to be there. However, for these tasks that are really, really not something that anybody really wants to do anymore, um, we can certainly bring in some innovative solution to that to help uh, these overall, as I mentioned to you, whether it's the customer experience or even the operator's experience or even the employees that have to kind of grind through these major shifts for eight to 10 hours, really grinding them, <laughs> yeah. walking, walking up to like nine miles a day with heavy things. It doesn't necessarily need to be that. So we're evolving, obviously, as uh, as these as these solutions come about to kind of do new things, and that's really the solution. That's why things are kind of ripe right now to bring this into the the forefront. Uh, going back to our space, uh, you know, one way or another, they just robotics just totally have not made their way into the airport environment. Um, like I said, I've seen them do a, a certain a certain number of things, and you discussed now about uh, how they could assist and impact the experience in a restaurant. But, you know, I'd like to just, you know, you've traveled, you know what it's like. I think you go through SFO a lot. Um, so definitely just put your thinking hat on. Where else could Penny impact the, uh, the passenger experience if it doesn't necessarily have to be in a restaurant? Agreed. I mean, there are a number of, I've used to travel quite a lot, actually. As a management consultant, I traveled practically every week. So I have seen a number of airports that have already deployed ordering tablets, mm-hmm. not only in restaurants of terminals, but in other areas. You can actually order things directly from, let's say, vending machines and actually get that. Um, so as a traveler, I think, um, let's say this allows you really to order, let's say, immediately, um, whether it be your food or, you know, I think my from my recollection, I think I could get anything I wanted optimized in a certain way, whether it be my drinks and make sure that I actually am able to make that 25 minute mark before I actually have to make my flight. So, I mean, our robots, I think will certainly help make sure if you as a traveler, uh, your order gets to you immediately. Um, it can be an additional tool, as I mentioned, for busy waiters or even bartenders or other, other venues that are inside of a airport terminal so that they can provide the best service when they have a lot of ground to cover. Um, our robot certainly will be able to help servers take care of a number of low-value tasks. Let's say, for example, there there's a busy rush and there's let's say eight tables that you have to handle at a time uh, inside of a terminal. Um, you can actually, as a server, you can definitely use Penny to kind of collaborate to kind of work with you to make sure that everybody's 
efficiently served. Um, in, in the way I think it's going to work is really as things are ready. Uh, you know, obviously somebody puts a, puts food onto our robot and simply presses a button, and then it's easy to actually direct Penny to a table where it should go. Um, I do think that in some, my understanding is, in some airports, I think even abroad, um, there's going to be. Uh, I know that they're working in more food courts and things like that that are perhaps and you know we see that really everywhere we go in the u.s as well so once you know our robot is in the dining area you know you can you can bring food directly to you or a server will take uh, the dishes and place them on the table in front of a customer um you know in addition to that as we mentioned earlier um helping take empty plates back and to the kitchen um, we can do all of that as well so i think in, in summary i think that the the, the a robot will certainly become an efficient tool, and I think that it's going to unload a lot of tasks throughout the shifts of these workers that are uh, operating in terminals. And I think uh, one other thing I think that has been brought up is kind of the dependable on-site resource, so that you can kind of use it as a as a way to kind of obviously help retain a lot of your people for these roles. Um, that's one thing that actually tends to happen a lot. And I'm sure it's probably no different, um, whether it's in the airport space or outside, where, you know, obviously making sure that you have uh, the right culture for people to thrive and for people to be doing the things that they feel is the value add to themselves and even to what they're doing, um, we're hoping will be a good tool for them to use. Is there a potential for Penny to be applied beyond the, the restaurant, maybe like within the common areas, maybe in the, the, the gate areas um, to extend? Uh, gosh, I shouldn't say this because I know the airports wouldn't want, I mean, the operators I think would love this, but I don't think the airports would, but maybe extend the reach of a restaurant into the gate areas and say, okay, well, I'm at my gate. I don't want to leave my seat because someone might take it or my, you know, something might happen. Um, but I'd love to order from Penny to go back and fetch me um, a sandwich from wherever, let's say, or maybe sell me something that might not be food related. Maybe something that's from a newsstand because I need uh, water or gum or whatever it is. I think that was the thought of some operators right now in the airport space where if you are obviously a frequent traveler and you have a favorite restaurant you have or you have something that you need to actually buy at a retail shop and you want it to be delivered to your gate certainly our robots will be able to eventually be on let's say either a certain one side of a terminal on a certain lane and actually deliver that to your gate so that you can actually bypass the time that it would take you to actually go through and let's say go to a particular restaurant wait for the order and then it'd be you know we're obviously in an on-demand mm-hmm. world now and i think that that will eventually migrate to to that to provide that actually additional level of service or additional level of you know this morning for example i obviously went to the starbucks and uh <laughs> ordered my coffee well ahead of time so think imagine that process but perhaps yeah. at a, a national airport and that certainly is something that um can be worked into the the very near term from the perspective of what we're doing into meshing in well with what um, what will be a, a nice feature for frequent travelers of many airlines. So going back to uh, one of my early questions, you know, uh, just looking outside of the airports, where, what does the application look like? I mean, what is the, I'm sorry, what does the acceptance look like? Uh, where are we in that life cycle in terms of, is it still in the intro phase where, 
people are getting used to seeing robots maybe in the front of the house. Maybe back of the house is probably a lot more acceptable, uh, you know, because it's, it, those are truly the redundant tasks. But do you see, just looking at the uh, landscape right now, that there, are, there could be more robotics applied to the front house, more customer-facing, like what Penny is doing? Um, and how is that received, do you think? Believe it or not, it's actually received quite well. When we, when we thought about this problem, I think that, I mean, we thought we saw some repetitive tasks that could occur in the restaurant space mm -hmm. and there's presented opportunities for automation. I mean, one was, so we have, we have a local company here that actually is kind of leading the way in terms of loading and unloading a dishwasher. I think that's certainly a repetitive yeah. task. Uh, I think another one would be like slicing vegetables in preparation for food service. And then lastly, I think what we're addressing is really carrying food and drinks from the back of the house to, a back to the front of the house. And that's what we're addressing directly with Penny. Now, the reception is actually quite good because the surveys that we've run, certainly from not only children to families to millennials, um, very, very, very high acceptance, actually. Uh, even even folks that are probably let's say 50 and above, oh. you'll get good reactions. There there could be some mixed reactions. Let's say folks that are probably more let's say 60 to 65 and above, obviously because it's just it's a new thing. Um, but we are now deploying our robots inside not only restaurants but in casinos, uh, which is where there's a big need. Imagine like a cocktail waitress that goes has to walk, I, I kid you not, 10 miles a day. Yeah. Um, just to go get cocktails. And so we're just going to chop probably half of that distance for them. That's going to help them a lot. I think they'll go home at night a lot more refreshed um, rather than so um, so kind of tired, basically worn down. And that's really what these shifts do. So, you know, we're actually in some cafes um, in South Korea. We're actually doing some a big adoption, I think, will happen certainly in Asia. Um, Japan and, and Korea will, are very just fast adopters of this technology. I think in the U.S., um, we're going to have to make sure that we not only build and design the proper uh, robot so that it's actually doing the things that it, I think in the U.S. it's a lot more. We want to make it more functional, less about gathering attention. But I think, you know, obviously it does gather attention because it's a robot that's moving. However, uh, the design has to kind of be very, very functional for its task that it's performing. So those are the things that we're working on right now, and we'll be investing heavily into those things. And that was one of the things that uh, I had spoken to uh, about. It was about autonomous vehicles, but really this could be applied to the here as well. You know, here in the States, we are kind of slow to adopt. Uh, I think I use the analogy of like, no one wants to be the canary in the mine. They, you know, they want to, they want someone else to, they want to see another airport do it first and see how it works out. Okay. If it works out for them, I, I can apply it for me. Cause again, we're a secure environment uh, mostly, but you know, other than that, what's really preventing the full adoption or application of robots? Is it, is it cost? Is there still any apprehension behind uh, the technology? Believe it or not, I think right now it's the, the tide it seems to be shifting where the adoption actually will probably start to increase. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, there's a lot of, the, the, it's, it's becoming like the perfect storm from, let's say, the labor supply uh, issue we talked about, but also obviously there, there's a lot of legislation perhaps to raise the minimum wage and just the fact that folks are actually just, it's, it's very difficult to find people that actually 
work in these types of roles and is making things maybe maybe actually fast tracking things to get ready for more mass adoptions well, my last question is a bit of a two-parter. It's kind of like, a, it's going to be pretty much a lot of what you have already touched upon, um, but maybe we can get a, a little slightly different answer on things. But one, you know, just the future of robotics in general, you know, you, you mentioned you see that it's with all the forces out there with labor supply and wages that uh, you're going to see further adoption, you know, but what's the next step? And then obviously the second part of that is what's the next step for bear robotics? You know, what's the next iteration of Penny or are you already at that point where uh, she's performing um, what is needed? Yeah, there will be, there will always be new iterations of Penny probably every year because, (laughs) you know, it's new technology and uh, you, you get a new iPhone practically every year. Right. So (laughs) there will be probably new, New penny, uh, new penny robots, but also perhaps a family of different uh, robots that we'll make. Now, in our view, obviously, robots are really the new frontier of where this food service industry is going. Um, and it's really, as I mentioned to you, really due to internal and external pressures that are faced by these establishments. Based on our research, as I mentioned, there, there's really a lot of repetitive tasks that can be automated. We're addressing one of them, but you know, in our company's standpoint, really, we want to become one of the preeminent robotics companies in the world in this particular industry, in the food service industry. And we want to have really the most reliable robots that contain the most innovative software, the, we have the customer support in line, and you know, we want that service to really truly be a turnkey solution for anyone to use, mm-hmm. whether it be in airports or throughout the world. So. As I mentioned, we're going to continue to invest heavily in R&D by beefing up our teams there. We're going to do a lot of investments, getting ready to get these ready to, so you can see them really all over the world to get ready for mass production and, 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 and really hone in on our customer support and get that out actually in line as well as uh, make sure that we're able to, to showcase these in many different venues. Um, so we'll do some, some work on the sales side. From So that's really the goal from the, the company's perspective. But I do think that you're probably going to start to see these um, really in many, many different venues. Um, and it's really coming because I do expect that to happen within the next um, within the next few years. You'll probably see this become a little bit more ubiquitous than you do see now. Wow. Yeah, I, and I just want to follow up on something that you had mentioned in one of your answers there. You said there are going to be def- definitely many different iterations of uh, Penny going forward, like, like there's a new iPhone every year. Um, and I forgot to ask this. Uh, she obviously fulfills one type of task. Do you? And you mentioned family. Do you foresee a family of penny-like robots that perform different tasks, but maybe interact with one another, or you know, that's something differentiating? Because so I'm, I'm sure Penny can't do everything, and there are different um, applications or potential applications that could come in a restaurant and in an airport. Correct. Correct. I mean, um, you know, there are, for example, we talked about the the use case where if Penny actually needed to deliver something to a terminal, uh, we would probably have to have some type of, uh, let's say, a cover so that you as a traveler would be able to input a certain code so you can get your materials delivered to you. There'll be kind of different designs on the hardware. I think that will probably evolve over time. And that will obviously be implemented different peripherals that will be used, whether they be you know, busing tubs or drink trays or um, different for different venues. I'm sure that there'll probably be new things here and there. 
and I remember like if we're actually involved in other countries, um, other countries can be can have smaller venues or even larger venues. So we want to make sure that it's optimized for each particular venue. I know that you know one thing as we're kind of thinking about our next generation, we're trying to get all that feedback in so that we're building something that will be used for the masses. You know, we want to make many thousands of these. And so we want to make sure that the solution that we put out there is going to be good for that particular country or that for that particular market. I'm sorry. I had one more question. <laughs> it seems like the more you talk, I'm like definitely intrigued. Um, is there anything out there now legislation wise that either prohibits the growth of these types of, uh, you know, robots or maybe could help? the the further adoption of these robots or, or is it pretty much an open field right now i think it's open i think there's been so from the let's say from the legislation perspective where we operate we want to make sure that because we're in let's say very very restaurants for example or even any other these venues can get very very dirty so we want to make sure that the robots have the right level of materials in them so they can be cleaned consistently, that the wheels are actually, let's say, on point to handle different uh, surfaces and be able to kind of work through a lot of the grime that can kind of build up. So we, you know, we want to make, we actually have to be compliant with a couple of uh, those standards and we actually are working mm -hmm. right folks to do that. Now, Let's say legislatively, there's, as I mentioned to you, there's been a push to increase minimum wage. So that actually probably will help even evolve this faster um, as yeah. folks look, make sure that they have something that can kind of, they can kind of, let's say, flex their overall, um, how they'll work, their, how they'll really, really, from, let's say you start up an entirely new, let's say you start up an entirely new restaurant business, or you can actually, let's say, start these from, really using a combination of how you actually staff your uh, your venue using both robotics as well as uh, human laborers to, to maximize the potential of what you'll do so that you can focus just directly on your core business, which is really, you know, your, your food and your service. And that uh, that's going to probably lessen the load for people that are kind of coming into this. Um, so certainly at that, and I think there's been some discussion of perhaps taxing robots, which uh, I think is still early. So, that's something that uh, could be could come down the road that we don't know, but um, you know we'll have to continue to stay on top of that and uh, see how that kind of turns out. I'm just worried that there will be some sort of protectionist type of legislation that gets proposed or passed. You know, I, I equate it almost to the like the ride sharing services. You know, with Uber and Lyft, and there was a lot. At least in our space, there was a lot of pushback from the taxi companies. And you know, obviously that solved itself or eventually solved itself. And here, it's I guess the further pushing of the narrative that it's not eliminating labor; it's really just shifting the focus of labor. I think that's just the, the main thing. Yeah, I think I think we benefit. Our company benefits from that because the tasks that are being taken on by our particular product are actually making lives a little bit easier for the actual workers on yeah. site. We're not really, we're not necessarily competing with another venue or we're not taking business away from the, let's say the, the restaurant or the cafe shop next door. Mm -hmm. We're just basically taking on tasks that, you know, let's say your 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 worker that's there for ten to twelve hours a day, 
their lives are made a little bit easier and it's impactful to them because they're not, like I said, going home and being completely worn down and quitting on you after, after one month or after two months. So yeah. you as an owner are like, man, I've got to go out and rehire, retrain people constantly. You don't want to have to do that. You as a worker don't want to be working in something that's going to grind you down physically every day. So that's where we sit. And I think in our, from our perspective, I think it's a benefit for us. Now, in other venues, I think, or in other, and perhaps this will be something that's impactful for, for those folks. And I, I just, I, we really hope that this is something that will really improve the lives of a lot of people. Our goal is really to improve the daily lives of millions of food service workers throughout the world. That's our mission. So um, we hope that obviously that blends in well with what folks are actually doing from the legislative side so they can see that there's some synergy there. Well, Juan, that's all I have. And I want to, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you so much, Ron. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Juan Guerros of Bear Robotics. Please make sure to check out our growing library of episodes as there's still a great listen, especially the most recent episodes where we talk about um, artificial intelligence and autonomous vehicles, and you'll find that they pair very well with the subject matter in this episode. Also, knowing that we talked about robotics as how it will impact restaurants, I do want to mention that in the magazine, July is the first of our food-focused issues. So if you don't already have your copy, what are you waiting for? Make sure you subscribe at airportxnews.com slash subscribe. That's all for now, and once again, thanks for listening.